BMW has major face problems. Has always had major face problems. That, that's one of the things that keeps me away from BMW is their face problems. I, <laughs> that's the problem. And, and yet you're well, going that and the to, fact that I can't afford one. But aside going from to that, Honda. you know, like basically, if I had you know forty grand burning a hole in my pocket, I'd be like, I got forty grand. I don't like that face. I'm not spending forty grand on a face I don't like. Why don't we try to make enough money with this podcast that you can afford a BMW lease? Well, here's here's the here's the problem with the BMW. You also have to buy me a new house to put it in. <laughs> because if I park that car in my driveway, it will have dents all over the top of it. I have I have a, a large, uh, I guess it's an oak tree, overhanging my driveway that drops acorns from a tremendous height, causing literally hundreds of tiny dimple dents in the sheet metal and roof of any car that's parked in my driveway. That? So that's a problem. Wow. So... So for the rest of your cars, you just tolerate this, but for a BMW... Yeah, well, what do you, what do you care? It's a, it's a Honda Accord, you're driving your family around, and I don't care if it's got dents all over the roof of it. Uh, and, I, and you say, why don't you just put it in your garage? I do have a garage, but A, half the time it's filled with junk, and B, the garage is one of those garages made in the 1930s for, like, carriages or something, and it's so hard to squeeze a car in there, yeah. and then you want to take this really expensive car and squeeze it into a garage with all your stuff hanging on the side, then try to open the doors, and you'd have to let the kids out before you get in or whatever. So basically... Right, because then uh, it might get a few little dents in it. Yeah, my entire lifestyle <laughs> is, not BMW, is not BMW caliber. So just merely plopping a BMW... Like, the worst case would be scenario plopping down, like, you know, a, a supercar or something. Like, I would be like, what am I going to do with this? I can't park it on the street. I can't park it on my driveway. I need, need to buy a second house for this car because it needs to live better than we do. <laughs> Wait, like I, I'm confused. Garage. You're a very smart man, but you haven't thought of just removing the tree? It's not our tree. It's on the uh, neighbor's property. <laughs> well, that doesn't we could, actually like, matter. We could like clear cut it to the sky, you know, blah blah. It, that would <laughs> probably that kill would, the tree, and it makes bad neighbors, yeah. and it's better to have good. And anyway, it's not it's not actually a problem because I don't care if my cars get dented. But uh, yeah, we actually have probably a, we we just in the last year we 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 moved our driveway. If you can imagine what that takes to to what that does to a yard, it it was this tremendous S shaped driveway, which would you know the the garage was like on the left side of the lot. And the curb cut was on the right side of the lot, and it would, it would it snaked across diagonally the whole front yard, cut the whole front yard in half, and came out the other side. And it was all gravel anyway, so it, a gravel driveway sucks for lots of reasons, and it wasn't even a very good gravel. And so we were, you know, we, we decided to just make it a straight line. So and and then put down you know brick pavers because so, you, know, you know gravel driveway is the rich person's driveway marker. So you're going backwards here by paving it. Your neighbors are going to turn up their nose. You well. He used to have a, a tasteful gravel driveway. Now he's got this pavement. Well, and shoveling that when it snows. I know. It was that's like, why it's the rich person's driveway. Not only can rich you people not don't shovel, shovel their gravel. own driveways. Yeah. Not only can you not shovel or really snow blow on, on gravel, or so you, you certainly can't plow it. You really can't move the snow off it at all. But this giant driveway took up our entire front yard. It was like shoveling the whole front yard. Yeah, it, so, it, well, the real rich person thing is pea stone. Did you have pea stone? I don't, what is that? That's little little rocks that look like they've been smoothed in a river. Like instead of being jagged, like gravel. <laughs> like in a fish beach. tank. Yeah. Well, not there are smooth cornered stones instead of being jagged gravel. Gravel is jagged, like there are sharp edges right. on each little piece of gravel. Pea stone is small rocks that look like they've been smoothed in, in a river water. Uh, water, you know, flowing over them. I would. I don't know why anybody would want any kind of gravel because it's more expensive. 
Well, but the thing of it is you're both wrong because the rich person approach is to have heated a heated driveway. And I have a story that I'll tell you at some point. <laughs> I actually point did about ask heat. about that when we were getting our driveway <laughs> See? done. <laughs> See? But it, it turns well, no, out like but, it's no, so... No, you can't have a heated driveway if you have a real rich person driveway because a real rich person driveway is like a mile and a half long. And you can't no, heat no, no. that whole thing. That, no, that, so uh, there, when I was very – when I was 16 – I drove a family friend's uh, Ferrari, and that family friend, their driveway, I'd say w- it was an S. And this is um, in Connecticut, where where I went to high school, and my parents still live. And so their driveway was an S. I want to say it was maybe 100 yards long, and pretty much the whole thing was heated, so they would never have to worry about plowing or snow blowing or anything like that. I kid you not. Well, see, when I, uh, so when we're getting the driveway done, I asked the guy, I'm like, so I know heated driveways exist. Like, what can you tell me about that? And he basically is like, yeah, it's like, you would spend way less money just hiring somebody to plow your driveway every winter for like the next 30 years than you would <laughs> by putting that in. So I'm like, all right, I guess I'll, you know, I can go without that option. <laughs> but anyway, the reason I brought this up is because there's a giant tree on my neighbor's property. It's, it is like right across the property line is the trunk of this tree. And it is it is such a big tree, and it's in such terrible shape that every single time there's any kind of wind or rain, it drops some kind of moderately sized branch onto my driveway. So after building this whole new driveway, which is really not cheap or fast to do, we now effectively can't use a third of it because either our cars will get damaged, which has happened when we before we learn this. Um, you know, e- either our cars will have branches falling on them in even the most mild storms, or we would have to go to our neighbors and have that talk with them. And the idea of doing that is so scary to me, and I, I so don't want to confront them about this, that I'm just tolerating not using half my driveway. And, and I don't do it because of, like, I'm afraid of confrontation, but it's, it's not really fair to them, even though I legally own, like, up to the sky or whatever the heck the thing is, like, cut it, like... I would be annoyed if someone did it to me because it's a nice tree. They have a nice tree on their property. One of the branches happens to go over my driveway, but like I would be killing their their tree. They have two trees on their front lawn. This is one of them. It looks nice. It, mm-hmm. it you know, that's not a nice thing to do. Like I could just I could just always park uh, one car in the driveway, one car moved up enough so it didn't hit. I could build myself a car park. I could do all these things if I really cared about the cars, or if I had enough money to afford a car that I cared if it got hundreds of dimple sized dents in it, I would just move to a nicer house that had a two car garage and I put the cars in it, but. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big. Yeah, I guess I have to wonder, like, you know, when, <laughs> like, of all the options you chose or, or you, you've considered and you've just enumerated for us, of all those options, just leaving it getting dense is actually the one you chose. That's that surprises me. Like knowing you, well, the, fir- the first time, I mean, I didn't know it was going to get dense until the first car was like totally dented because it happens basically like overnight, and you're like, wait a second, you look at, you can't really see it unless you look at the right angle and like the sun, you know, glints off right. the little dimples, and you're like, oh my god, what's going on here? Uh, but yeah, that's what's happening. I mean, I, even today, if I really, really cared enough, I could always park one car inside the driveway, make sure inside the garage, make sure it was cleared out, and park the other car really close up to the driveway so it would, it would clear like the. But we're just lazy. Just park them where they are. It's not a big deal. I mean, you know, it's not. It's apparently not hurting our resale value because you have to be pretty anal retentive to even notice it. Like the dents aren't like dense dents; they're just barely dimples. And we haven't had any problem selling our cars when we wanted to trade up. Man, yeah, see I, that? I just that is. I just pasted in a link to some long driveways. <laughs> Thanks. Covered cover, cover with pea stone. That I mean, that really is shocking to me. I. Oh man. Yeah, I mean, those of all, all the all, reasons not to have the car you want. 
Well, that's not. The, I mean, that? I'm just saying. Like, if, the main reason is I don't want to spend that much. Out of the money that I have, discretionary spending that I have, I would much rather have a really nice TV and a really expensive Mac than a really nice car. So that's where the money that's goes, fair. you know. And then like kids' college funds and stuff. You know? Oh yeah, of course, <laughs> all the responsible stuff. Right. Exactly. So that's you know, it, I the thing the thing about nice cars is that like it depends on how much you value that in terms of proportion to the rest of your money. And even though I value it a lot, like I realize that all the things that like I don't have that kind of lifestyle. Like when I've sold the big family house and I'm an empty nester and my kids are gone and uh, you know I'm retired and living much more cheaply. Then I can afford to live in a tiny house in the middle of nowhere, not near any jobs, and spend my discretionary income on getting one nice two-door car that I don't have to have kids. You know what I mean? Like, but will you? That's when that fits in. I, I will, probably. I mean, the same thing with my dad. He had, like, family cars or whatever, but as soon as all the kids left and everything, he retired. He started leasing, you know, nice cars. <laughs> now that we were gone, and wouldn't be right. there driving them and getting them into accidents. See, I, I feel uh, like you've touched on something which, which I wanted to address sometime during this show, and I'm glad we're doing it kind of early. Um, I wanted to address affording cars because for for a lot of like I I don't feel comfortable talking about cars most of the time on my blog or publicly most of the time because the cars I'm talking about are expensive cars and I feel like that's like talking about my salary you know like it feels awkward to me like they're like back when I when I first ordered my 328 I I my blog readership was much smaller back then um, and I posted a picture of the interior from bmw's configurator thing online i was so proud i'm like coming soon like i i was i i wanted to you know because blogs are about sharing at least mine was back then about sharing your life and stuff like that i was proud of this i wanted to share it with people and like within an hour i got an email from somebody saying like that's really a, you know that that's a dick move like <laughs> oh you're, you're a rich asshole like something like, like it was it was such a downer to see the feedback from you know from this because Cars are so expensive. They are, they are, you know, the, the fancier cars are out of reach for so many people that it's socially awkward to, t- to even talk about them a lot. Well, well it's it depends on what your peer group is. Like, your peer group are people who value uh, computer hardware enough that if you posted in a picture of your Mac, they'd be like, hey, man, cool, that's a great new Mac, because that's where they choose to put their income. But I don't think it's enough people who put that same proportion of income into their cars and your and your fans aren't all rich people to whom that car is like nothing special right and and i feel like too you know a lot of people think of a car at its full msrp sticker price and you know and saying that is like saying oh my god you live in a hundred and fifty thousand dollar house How, where did you find a hundred and fifty thousand dollars cash you know like it like there are all these creative financing options that we have to for, to be able to afford things like expensive cars and houses that we otherwise wouldn't be able to just spend all the cash for up front. And you know, like a lot of people don't don't realize that. Or when when judging cars that are above what they can afford, they only look at that MSRP and and they they ignore the financing options. Like when I bought my Accord, it was like twenty four thousand dollars or something like that. Um, and you know, I didn't have twenty four thousand dollars. I had maybe five thousand dollars, <laughs> and and I you know I put down a reasonable down payment, and I I started making monthly payments on it because it was way cheaper than maintaining my maxima. Uh-oh. But you know, I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm spending twenty four thousand dollars up front, and and so I feel like you know, with cars, it, and you're right, it is it's a matter of how you allocate your income to some degree. You know, like when I bought the Accord, I could almost have afforded the BMW. But I, d- I didn't want to allocate my income that way. I, I wanted to save more money and you know build up more savings and be more responsible. Um, 
because because you, you can you can lease a BMW for something. I mean, you know, if if you're if you're re- reasonable with the options, you can lease a three series for probably a good five hundred bucks a month. And yeah, but you leased the wrong three series, and that's a whole other discussion for a whole. Yes, other that day. is true. But 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 like you know, you could you can get a BMW. You could have a BMW with all the maintenance included and everything, a good one, for about five hundred bucks a month. And I know that's a lot of money, but like relative it's, to the it, world of car it's, payments, it's not about affording though. Like here's what it comes down to: for people for whom the, the that money is real money, like say you are the person starting out and you have a good job and you're single and you could afford five hundred dollars a month. What it comes down to is, all right, so that's five hundred dollars a month, uh, and, and Accord is like two hundred and fifty with some creative financing or something. Is the BMW two hundred and fifty dollars a month more better? than the accord and especially if you're not a car person you're like there's no way like this car is nicer but it's there's no way it's worth double the amount per month but that's exactly it's not it's not like you can't afford it like i could put that extra 250 dollars in there but then you think well what else could i do with this 250 dollars a month and to a lot of people the bmw is not twice as good as the accord it's just not oh yeah because they they're not car people and they're just like oh it just gets me around and that's what it comes down to i think for you know for people who like they start thinking it in terms of, yeah, a fancy car is nice, but is it double as good to me as this other car? And they just end up saying no. You right. Know? But, you know, and I, but I think it's important, you know, what you just said. I agree with every with all of that. You know, what you've just said is that it is about, you know, how, how much do you care about your car and then how much is that worth to you? Okay. Like, for me... So when those people, when those people see your BMW, though, they assume... Uh, it's also not twice as good to him, but he has so much money it doesn't even matter. Right. That's what they think. Exactly. Whereas <laughs> whereas, you know, in meanwhile, when I had my accord, I was I, I, I bought it. I didn't I didn't lease it, but I was financing it. I was paying like three hundred and forty bucks a month or something like that. And uh I think it was three forty three eighty two. I I wrote that number on so many checks I've <laughs> I had it memorized for a long time. Um but but uh you know, so Going from that to the BMW, which is like in the five or six hundred dollar range, depending on what you get, um, like to me, that Accord was so forgettable. Yeah, it functioned perfectly fine. It got me around. It did really mess up my back, but it got me around because <laughs> it turns out Accord seats are terrible for back problems. I I like the Accord seats. Uh, good for and you. Tolerable for I, short people with back problems. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know. But I realized, like, I care so much about cars because I'm I'm that kind of person. Like, I, the idea of spending more than bargain basement prices on like pants, <laughs> like on clothing, to me, <laughs> yeah, like you're gonna buy a hundred dollar pair of jeans makes you go like, are you crazy? Right. Like, hundred dollars for a pair of jeans? Is it really you know fifty dollars better than these other jeans right. that are you know? Like, though I look at other people's decisions like that yeah. the way they probably look at me with my expensive bmw like i i see clothes as like i would not get that kind of value out of clothes but i would rather cut out this money from a budget somewhere else and assign it to a car because i actually will get that much more enjoyment out of the nicer car and i feel like failing to understand these different you know budget allocations and priorities is what builds this resentment in people who either wear expensive clothes or have an expensive car or something like that. Well, some people also just don't have that much money, period. Like, that's not even an option. Oh, yeah, yeah, of like, course. I mean, for, for all of us, we're not even discussing, well, the, the payments on Ferraris are reasonable if you talk about the finest. <laughs> no, like, we understand, like, 
you know, when the car payment is $5,000 a month, they're like, okay, well, maybe not. You right. know, so th- everything is relative. And there's a little bit some of that. And, you know, marquee brands like Mercedes, BMW, even Lexus to some degree, and certainly Ferrari or whatever. Whereas as much as we, we complain about Max being expensive, like, there really is no Ferrari equivalent in computers. There is no computer that actually is really, really good that is, like, you know, an order of magnitude more expensive Those than the, L than computers? the reg- regular people's. I don't <laughs> that probably was at some point, but we know realistically speaking, there is no equivalent. Like if you're willing to spend instead of, you know, instead of $10,000 for a decked out Mac pro, if I spend a hundred thousand dollars, can I get a computer that is as much better than a Mac pro as uh, you know, the, a Ferrari 458 is from like a Honda Accord. No, you can't like that jump from, from the, from the Honda to the Ferrari is real. And there's nothing, right. you can't spend a hundred grand over a Mac pro and get something that's a better, that much better of a Mac pro, you know? So, uh, it, you know, it, car, cars are interesting because they actually are big, physical, expensive things. And that expense doesn't go away. Like, you know, in terms of like materials and everything, like, you just can't get a car that's made mostly out of carbon fiber and passes U.S. crash tests without spending a huge amount of money, period. And, you know, you can't get a V8 that revs to, like, 10,000 RPM or whatever the hell. You know, it's just mechanically, there's no way to make that cheap. It's not like microchips where they do a shrink and the next year the V12 Ferrari is cheaper, you know. Uh, so th- there's such a range there. And, you know, th- that that introduces this phenomenon where, you know, how much do I value cars versus how much money do I have uh, is this you know, insurmountable barrier to people considering other people's car purchases. Well, the funny thing about it is ever since getting the, my 335, I, and I bought it used. And so I, when I tell people, oh, you know, I got a new car and then immediately it's not, well, it's new to me and I'm always hedging it. Oh, you have a BMW? Yeah, well, well but but I got it used because I, I don't want to be You don't people guy. to think you're full of money. Right. Right. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I don't know, maybe that's my own hang up that I'm pushing on to other people. I mean, obviously, this isn't a, a psychologist show, but but it just it's funny to me because I always catch myself saying that, you know, oh, yeah, I got a BMW, but it's, it, I got it used. You know, it's Car, a couple years cars old. Cars are status symbols. You don't want to feel like you're bragging. Like Mercedes right. is even worse. Like, because I'm, I'm actually a big Mercedes fan. But when you say Mercedes, maybe it's just a generation of them, you think like, you know, oh, it's like saying Rolls Royce. It's like, oh, oh yeah, we have a Mercedes then. But it's like, no, like I have, I have a, a, a Mercedes, you know, C series. It's like, you know, it's not, it's not that expensive. It's not, you know. Oh yeah, I, I still like, I, I know a lot about Audi because I've, like, I've gone to their dealers, I've test driven their cars against BMWs. I still don't know anything about Mercedes because C-class, the idea, sorry, Mercedes people, the idea of a Mercedes to me, like, I don't even consider it as an option because I think, oh, that's for old rich people. You should. You should consider it. In, ma- in many respects, I like Mercedes better than BMW. In, in many, many ways, they're, they uh, they have their own foibles and idiosyncrasies. But the Mercedes you're thinking of from the '80s is long dead. And uh, yeah, I, I have a I definitely have a definite soft spot for Mercedes. I, I have a feeling that even though, like, when I read about cars, I think, boy, like BMW is probably more up my alley in terms of values and everything. I think secretly, I may actually be a Mercedes person. Well, by the time you buy one, you'll be old enough. <laughs> yeah i don't know like yeah i i i have i have driven both briefly and i don't know if the problem with mercedes is in america none of them have a stick i mean maybe not literally i'm sure you could find one with a stick but all That's all true. the mercedes in america are all automatics That's and one true. of the things that struck me as insane when i when i was overseas earlier this year was that we got in a taxi cab and sure it's enough it was a mercedes sedan i think a c-class and it had a six-speed in it and I, that blew my mind yeah. mercedes, again in europe you can buy mercedes with stick shifts and cloth seats and, and used to be able to get them with roll-up windows <laughs> 
Going back for a second, you know, I, I think you know what you said, Casey, about not wanting to to seem like the rich guy who bought this new fancy car. Like that, I am extremely self conscious about that. Which, given the cars I buy, does not make it easy on me because I I, I like BMWs a lot. Um, but like like that's the like, I would never consider buying a Porsche. Is it Porsche? I don't know. Please email you. Uh, I I would never buy a Porsche. I would I, like the the idea I you mean of Porsche. You know, a Porsche, a Ferrari, even like an Aston Martin, like all those like really recognizable as sports car, like in your face sports car. And BMWs not? <laughs> well, no, because BMWs are sports sedans. See, like that that uh, difference. Like such a just difference, like your yeah. just like the one M is a sports sedan. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Right. It's a, <laughs> the, you know, the the name BMW does have that reputation, but when you see them on the road. They just look like square. They cars. don't yeah, yell no, out at you. I'm yeah. a sports car. Look at me. Like that's why. Like you know, my dream car is the M5, which doesn't look like much of a sports car compared to you know what people usually think of as sports cars. Uh, see, I don't know if that's really true because the E39 M5, which was the early 2000s, that to me was the pinnacle of the M5 because it really was a fairly understated car. And I agree with you that I yeah. think. The best kind of sports car or, or fast car is Stealth one that cars. does not look fast. You know, a sleeper right. is, I guess they were called long ago. And I agree with you that the M5 in principle is still probably a bit of a sleeper, but the E39 M5, which was my yeah. ultimate car for the longest time, that, you know, was an early 2000s um, M5. It was with the V8 with like the crazy Vanos setup and all that. And, and that had a few badges on the outside, but very little else. And so that to me, was the pinnacle and the modern m5s while still good in that regard are still a little bit look at me i mean look they, at they one put of the, the options body is, the body cladding is what does it the modern right. m5s they always differentiate with the big aggressive looking body cladding you can tell that's not a regular five well but right. it, it actually looks almost identical to the five with m sport it's the same the sheet metal is all the same i believe it's just it's just the the body cladding and that's like you know the the plastic crap around the the fog lights and the rear bumpers and, and the side thing yeah there's like a few accents here and there that are different but they're, for the most they're a little parts, bit more than accents <laughs> you know i i think they're ugly that's the, not compared I think, to m sport I, I think the the regular bmw 5 series is the best car bmw best looking car bmw's made in years uh, and i think the m5 is worse looking than the than the regular 5 series I, I do agree that the five series is one of the best cars they've made in, in a long time. I, I like it way better than uh, than, the, than the new three series. Uh, like I, I like that like that crinkled up hood that, that it has. Like and like my my three twenty eight has that, um, but the new one like and the the current five series looks basically like a big version of my you know th- so basically BMW and and I think this is true of of many car brands, especially the, any of them that are bought by enthusiasts. Generally speaking. Everybody always thinks that the best kind of BMW was the first one they had, and they've all gone downhill since then. Well, that's true of every <laughs> true of everything: computers, right. cars, you know. and so I it's feel, true of everything except for wives. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> and you know, I feel like like my my three twenty eight. This is like this is what got me hooked on BMW. Actually, Zipcar is what got me hooked on BMW. That, that's. When I was in Brooklyn during that hellish year of trying to drive in and out of Brooklyn to various things, um, we didn't have a car after I sold the Accord, so we got a Zipcar membership. And Zipcar is is a great service. Uh, we we enjoyed it a lot. It is way way better than regular renters or the, than regular rentals for uh, for short trips for so many reasons. But uh, we would always plan trips last minute, and so all the cheap cars would already be booked. And the only car we could get would be either the pickup truck, the van, 
or the BMW 328. So obviously, I picked that uh, because it was it was the most expensive sedan to rent, and so that would always be the last one picked by Zipcar renters. So I ended up driving 328 a lot because we kept taking these, you know, various. Oh, let's go for a quick weekend trip or a quick thing up here, and I'll, I'll you know, everything's already taken from Zipcar except for this. And that's how I got. And when I first got into it, like the first couple of rides we took, I thought. Why wow, this drives really well, but the controls are completely asinine. Like, and I think anybody who's ever been in a BMW briefly and not not like owned one, but who's ever just like been in one periodically, probably thinks the same thing. Especially if you ever had to drive it or fill it up with gas. Uh, like, where the hell is the button to do this? Why is this button backwards? Why is this weirdly modal for some reason? Like, it, the buttons, the controls make no sense. I have knobs in my 328, a car I've owned for nearly three years. And I don't know what they do. I like still, and like BMW's controls make no sense to anybody for the first day, month, or year or decade that you have them. But you just lo- like when you get hooked on the way it drives, it overcomes all that, and and you start well, actually it starts becoming like a like a, that symptom where you like your captors. Stockholm. That, yeah, that's yes. it. Yeah, it starts becoming like that. Like you start being like, you know what? That's actually a really clever design. Oh, the, I actually like how the windshield wipers have no true intermittent setting. Like there's like, <laughs> like there's all these like weird little things about BMWs. But but the insanity of what you're saying is you were re- you were borrowing renting a what an E ninety three twenty eight, which by all accounts, and that's what you ended up buying. Yep. And with all due respect, by all accounts, that is a rolling piece of trash. I mean, oh, it is woke. It is woefully underpowered. I'm talking from the perspective of somebody who cares about going quick and, and, and so on. But that's not what the cars all necessarily are about. Yeah, it didn't have. It wasn't a, a, a the power to rate, weight ratio was not great on that car, but it was. A, a, you know, it handled well. It was the, oh, the sure. engine had made nice sounds and was smooth. Had good power delivery. Like I, I, it's not. That's not a terrible car. And I really have to say, one of the things I enjoyed most about it. You know, I, I've always been a big fan of driving stick. Um, and with renters, it's it's almost impossible to rent a stick uh, unless you you know the sports car rentals sometimes. Well, even then, usually not. Um, and so with Zipcar, I was kind of resigned to having to drive these terrible automatics. Well, almost all of this, almost all the automatics now have what used to be called Steptronic modes because that's what Audi tr- termed theirs, and they were the first ones to really do it in mass, I think. Um, but I thought it was Porsches or Porsches. Oh, that's it. You're right. Okay. So anyway, now all the automatics have these what I call bullshit automatic or bullshit manual modes. You know, it's like an automatic that you can you can pick what gear it's in, sort of. And these are all very different between the different manufacturers. Um, Like Lexus's is a complete joke. Toyota's is a complete joke. There's a few. Audi's is okay, but it's backwards. It's I don't know. They're weird. very few of these will actually satisfy a driver who really wants to be driving stick. Like, if if you people in the public are in the market for a car and you like driving stick and you're considering getting an automatic that has one of these manual gear selection modes, I, I urge you to reconsider that decision if it's not a DCT, which we'll get to. Um, those are terrible. They, they Here's the problem with those. They Well, there's two problems. One, you never know what gear you're in. Some of them will have a display in the dash somewhere, but it's usually really small and kind of hard to see, and you just never know. Like When you're driving a real stick, you always know what gear you're in. You can tell, if you haven't been like 
subconsciously keeping track in your head, you can at least tell by the position of the gear shift or by how fast your car is going and how it sounds at that speed. Like, y- there's all these different cues. Why can't you use those same cues with the with the Tiptronic type thing? Because you're not you're not telling from the position of the gear shift. You're telling well, well, there's I don't know. maybe there's it's different with cars that have power. So I'm I'm so used <laughs> to buying, driving cars that have no power. I can tell what gear I'm in because if I'm not in the right gear, the car don't go no right, more. Otherwise, it stalls. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I mean, if if I'm in third gear and it's a little bit of a hill and I push the gas pedal, nothing happens. Like, oh, that's right. Sorry, second. Well, there's two problems. <laughs> the the first problem, which exacerbates the second problem. The first problem is that when you set a gear number in those bullet manual modes, what you're actually setting is the maximum gear, usually. So if you say be in third gear, the car will be in first, second, or third gear. Now, some of the, the more modern ones have a mode where it, it, like, literally, no, listen to me when I say go up, go Are up. Are you or, sure? The, wor- the worst case scenario, they'll, they'll do the thing where, uh, where they will... Uh, like you said, they have the maximum, and there's other ones with different policies, but usually they have like a knob or something you can adjust that says, no, actually the policy I want now is hold the gear that you're in until I say so, even if you hit the rev limit or just cut off the gas. Like most most of those automated, uh, you know, manual automatics have that mode oh, no, somewhere. On the way up, the that's true. But the, the problem is, let's say, you're, let's say you're cruising at speed and it's in, it's in overdrive. And uh, you want to pass somebody. So you, you, you know, drop down to, you know, fifth, fourth, whatever, and you step on it. If you step on it in a stick and you're in too high of a gear, nothing happens. <laughs> you know? If you step on it and you're in too high of a gear in a bullshit manual mode of an automatic, it will step down for you in almost some every of the, case. I think some of them have a mode where they just literally say, okay, you just tell me exactly what to do and I will obey your commands 100% sure? and I'll stay in the gear. I would like to hear, this is the one thing people can email me about, I would like to hear what cars have that mode that aren't uh, sports cars with DCTs. Well, I mean, they're sporty or cars, and no, it doesn't have anything to do with the, the being a dual clutch or anything like that. Like this, even just with the big slush box with a torque converter, they like to put some sort of little thing where you can tell it, okay, stupid slush box, be in second, be in third, be in fourth. And yes, the default mode is always like, oh, you know, we'll mostly do the shifting for you, and this is kind of a suggestion or a maximum. But even those, I think they put in, because it's so easy for them to do, it's just software, it's like, all right. right. Well, like, that's the mode where, like, you want to go out and pass and you push the pedal down. If you forgot to hit the little flappy paddle thing to go down two gears, your car's not going to go anywhere. And same thing with the upshifting. We'll just we'll just go up to the rev limiter and we won't upshift for you. We'll just cut off the gas. Sorry, hit the paddle. I mean, the problem with those is that when it does second-guess you, it it makes it more likely that you will mentally lose track of what gear you're in. That's what I was getting at. So, yeah, I guess that's true, especially if it's especially if it's a, it's an actual automatic with the torque converter, like, because... Right. The, is you're isolated from like the engine revs and matching up to the the car. It's not you know it's not fully engaged all the time. So right. maybe that's hard. I, I would never buy one of these things. And if I did buy it, I would pretend it didn't exist because I don't know who would want to do that. It doesn't seem like a good time to me. What, so when I was doing my year of Zipcar, um, the reason why I, one of the reasons why I kept getting the 328, even though it was so expensive and I thought all the controls were confusing, is because it had by far the best bullshit manual mode I've ever used. Um, and now I found better ones, but at the time, I mean, it was it was so good, and so it was a way for me to simulate. And and I would I would keep it in manual shifting mode all the time, you know, backing up, parking all the time, just to give me some taste of driving stick. Well, the interesting thing about the BMWs is the automatics have, and I forget what they call it, but like a step down mode or something like that. And so, whether or not you're in manual mode, if I'm not mistaken, if you floor it, you can actually push push past a stop, and then there's like another centimeter of depth to the gas pedal. 
And so it, the theory being when you're in full on automatic mode and you really need to get up the road, that's kind of like a holy go button. That's just by pushing the gas all the way to the floor. And then you push it just a little bit more, kind of the same way when you're trying to go into reverse and in a, in a, proper six speed, you push the stick to the, well, in a BMW anyway, you push the stick to the left and then you push it just a little bit further and forward. And that's how you get in reverse. Did you ever notice that when you were driving the 328s? I don't think so. No, I, I think because I, I was always weird. doing the, you know, the, the manual shifting of the automatic. And, uh, and yeah, for the most part, you know, because I spent so long either owning automatics because the, the Accord was an automatic that I had. So that's another story. Um, because I spent so long owning automatics or renting them I've I've tried out the bullshit manual mode of a lot of automatics. And by far the one I liked the best was BMWs. And 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 now I know I, I did um this might be a separate episode. I did a a race day uh with BMW with they had an event where you take a bunch of M cars on a track and so I got to drive um the current M threes and M fives, both of which had uh dual clutch transmissions with you know flappy paddles basically automated manuals and uh those are completely different you would think they're not but trust me they are like you would think that an automatic that has a manual shifting Uh, mode i wouldn't think that (laughs) okay (laughs) believe me they're different yeah i know um you know i i was very skeptical of those you know before we started driving when i when i got in and realized these cars were not configured to be sticks um I was very skeptical. Like, okay, so I'm, I'm at this racetrack driving these race cars, and well, well why were you skeptical? You, you must not know a lot about racing because race cars have all, all switched to that ages ago, right? Well, yeah, I didn't know much about racing. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, there's a re- there's a reason all the all the Formula One cars have been like that for ages, like because it's faster. Like, they're not doing it because they don't want the, the they didn't want the poor race car drivers to not have to shift so much. They did it because it makes your car go around the track faster. Well, and it also you know. A DCT is is amazing for a number. Of, I, I had never been in one before this day, and and it was shocking how good it was. I mean, one of the things that 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 stick drivers should be able to appreciate, who are you know purists, who you know, the people who would order the new M5 with a stick, um, you know, purists would argue, you know, you don't have the feel and all this stuff. Believe me, I know I am a stick purist. However, uh, the DCT is better in so many ways that it may like. For instance, uh, when you shift to the next gear. There is zero delay. You you push the paddle and you're just in that gear. Like it's it's a very weird thing for a stick driver to experience the first time. A, a weird awesome thing. You just hit the paddle, you're just there is no delay and there's no loss of power. You know, like you don't have to temporarily release the gas to change gears and then go back on the gas. There's just no loss of you're just in the next gear. It's amazing. Well, and the mechanics behind that are are just fascinating. I mean, in, in short, it's basically two different gearboxes that are kind of stapled together around the same drive shaft, if you will. I think I got that term wrong, but the, right. the mechanics it won't be the last behind time it are on the show that we get terms wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. But uh, I agree with you. A friend of mine had a uh, Volkswagen R32, uh, which was one of the earlier dual clutch transmissions. And while for a litany of reasons that car was not really my cup of tea it was still one of the best point and squirt cars I've ever driven in the sense that you point the wheel, you mash on the gas and it will go. And it had, you know, a Haldex four wheel drive system that for the most part would just sort itself out. And, and to your point, it would shift blindingly fast. And by modern standards, cause that car was, I don't know, like a late two thousands. And by modern standards that shifted heinously slowly. And so it, it, it I, I don't know. I've actually 
pitched to the magazine, and, and I wish I knew somebody that worked there, uh, an article about how the DCT is, is a very weird thing for purists, like you were saying. Um, and I don't know what to make of it. And, and I'm sad because I don't know if a proper human-operated clutch well, is long for this world. Well, well you know, before the before DCTs became common, and still in race cars, and also still in, I believe, the latest round of Ferraris, they go with the single-clutch automated manual because it shifts faster, because it only has one thing to engage and disengage. And the reason you don't see that in, like, regular people cars is because it's harsher. Like, the dual-clutch lets you not feel like, you know, when you have 600 horsepower slamming into the next gear, that you doesn't rattle your bones. But in race cars, they don't care about your bones. Uh, and in Ferraris, they also, you know, I think it's either Ferrari or Lamborghini. One of the one of the two big brands st- is still sticking with single clutch because. And Marco was saying like you're instantly in that gear. Well, these guys are measuring in their shift times in milliseconds. And they're like, well, that's 20 milliseconds, and this is 15. So we're sticking with single clutch. Like that's the realm that they're in. Whereas, how fast can you shift with the? a lever and a clutch and letting off the gas and doing all that stuff. Obviously the machine is going to win and they've been honing this stuff and, you know, in formula one racing for years and years. So those guys are like dual clutch, maybe a little bit soft for us. Maybe we're going to stick with single clutch for a while, but they had single clutch automated manuals in like people cars and they were brutal. Like people didn't like them because it would hurt their body when they shifted right. gears under heavy acceleration. But, uh, that, you know, so th- it, it is kind of like a softening where, I mean, it's not it's not a, a slush box with something telling it to shift, but the dual clutch is kind of an evolution of like, look, humans are going to have to drive this, and we don't want them to hurt their delicate bodies. So it's fast enough. It's like it's 55 milliseconds instead of 12, like the Ferrari single clutch or whatever. But 55 milliseconds, they'll think it's instant, and it's working, I guess. You yeah, because you know, yeah, because as you know, it isn't it isn't actually instant, but it feels you know, especially when you come from a stick, when when you come from relatively slow gear shifts of trying to do it yourself manually even the best stick drivers can't do it in 55 milliseconds and did you see they also have now this is the the other trend i guess it's probably just more of a gimmick to sell things but they what they have now is they'll sell you a stick but it's a rev matching stick nissan has this yeah, I, I just think. saw so, that so when, you, so when you do a downshift you don't have to heel toe and blip the throttle or whatever it will rev match for you when you downshift so which is like Okay, guys. I know you want a stick. If you had a paddle, we would do we would do this for you with with our engine computer. If you did the paddles, but you want to move the stick. So when you move the stick, we'll do the engine rev matching for you. And and I, I guess that it could be kind of neat. My my friend has one of one of the new uh, Nissan Zs, and he says it's he says it's fun. I, I'd have to try uh, and see what it's like. That sounds terrible to me. It, it it seems like that's blending the worst of both. It's like like you have. You, you're having this automation, which ruins a lot of the purity and and. Well, the... you can turn it off. I mean, oh, like okay. all those things, you can turn. If it you can off. turn it I mean, off, then I guess it's fine. I mean, they did the same thing with stability control and traction control. Like you know, all these cars like are mandated. I, I believe it's. I think it's every single car sold in the U.S. in 2012 model year or later has to come with stability control. Uh, one of the U.S. standards is the yeah, uh, something like that. It's come and you know, so, so it's got to be in everything. And then on most cars, they give you modes to turn it off. You know, down, 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 and then one mode usually on all of them is completely off, which is kind of hilarious because they'll suddenly you like, here's a Viper with 650 horsepower. You can't drive that thing with the stability. <laughs> like you turn the stability control totally off. Like the best race car drivers in the world, maybe maybe might be faster with everything off, but a normal person is just going to spin and kill themselves, like because it just has too much power. So. Like you know, ever even even the car magazines like we turned it down to all the way except the last setting. Like so now now we will interfere when it looks like we're gonna die. It gives us enough rope to almost hang ourselves, but if we turn it off, we'll just spin our wheels the whole entire time. 
So, you know, the, the, all these features of, like, rev matching and stuff like that, like, they probably come with things like, all right, you want to turn it off? Like, you don't have to pull fuses. You don't have to upgrade your engine computer. It's just a dial, and you can turn it all the way to the I-know-what-I'm-doing mode and see how well you do. Right, maybe there'll be some warning messages, and, you know, they'll make you agree yeah. or something, and then that's it. Uh, the rev matching is just making it slower, so that's fine to turn it off. Right. Like, all right, fine, we, we won't rev match you, whatever, you know. See, I, I feel like, you know, for a while, you know, from from when I was looking to buy my Maxima in, in 2002... Uh, from then until really probably the last few years, it was looking pretty bleak to be a stick fan because it was looking like sticks were going extinct, and it was it, they, it, they are well they are. However, you know now I feel like we're getting some of these like things like dual clutches and and you know like more advanced sticks like what you're describing with the rev matching thing. I feel like we're getting things that are going to make the transition a little easier, like. For me, the dual clutch was the very first time I had ever said, I can give up my stick for this and be very happy with it. And and be and actually be happier with it. I would rather have a dual clutch than a yeah, stick. Yeah, the sticks aren't going away because no one cares about performance driving. The sticks are going away because something different is better at performance driving. That's, right. that's like, they're being replaced. It's not as if, like, all of a sudden... Uh, you know, your your Honda Accord is going to come with an automated manual transmission. No, you know, the, the doomsday scenario is there. Your Honda Accord comes with a CVT, which I hope never happens. But uh, but yeah, it's just it's just in that upper 7% of the market. That's all going to turn over. The sticks are going to go away. They're all going to be replaced with automated manuals because automated manuals make you go faster. And the people are going to complain, oh, not my day, I needed the tiller to, you know, like, it's we'll just die. and then. Right. I mean, at some point, <laughs> complaining about... You know, having having to settle for a, a, a dual clutch or something like that instead of a real stick, it's going to sound like people now who complain about analog brakes and traction control. You know, like it's yeah, it's well, going to sound that, like that. That battle is still on, but I right. knew I knew that the, the days of the days of the stick were over as soon as Ferrari didn't ship one anymore because that I'm like, well, that's it. <laughs> yep. As soon as Ferrari does no longer sticks a ship uh, ships with a stick available even as an option. The days are over because, like, that's that's my you know dream car that I get when I become rich and famous and whatever. Uh, and when my dream car, no, like, I can't even get it. I just have to admit to myself, the time of the stick is over. And like, in, if anything, I'm getting a honeymoon period of like, well, Ferraris, it's going to be gone. That was like what uh, five years ago, four years ago. I forget when when Ferrari stops uh, shipping with their sticks. Uh, but yeah, that like. Now that's just like a vintage thing, the old Ferrari shifter with the with the steel gate and the ball on top of it. And I'm enjoying a grace period now when regular cheap cars, it's still not economical to put in those good automated manual transmissions. Right. So my cord will have stick for, you know, a couple more generations until it becomes cheap enough. So I, I feel like the 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 main V and I know this is gonna sound biased, of course, but I feel like the main vehicle that would illustrate when sticks are totally dead is when the three series is no longer available with one. That's going to be like next generation. I, I know that's the thing. I I don't think it's that <laughs> far off. I think you're it's exactly right. I I think I, I think everyone was kind of everyone was kind of on edge with the F30s, the the 2012 and forward uh, generation. Everyone was really on edge to see if they would even have the option there because we were kind of like not sure about it. Squarespace is a do-it-yourself website platform that makes building a website extremely easy. The designs that Squarespace start you with are both beautiful and simple. All you have to do is add your content and you will have a great looking site. Squarespace sites also include responsive design, so your website will automatically resize and show up perfectly on any device. Every account comes with cloud hosting, real-time analytics, a free domain, and 24-7 support. So whether you're a creative professional, business owner, or simply need an online presence, Squarespace makes it easy. 
Our site, Neutral.fm, was created in just 15 minutes on Squarespace. Check out a free trial at squarespace.com. If you decide to continue with your site, Squarespace is only $8 a month. And use the offer code NEUTRAL1 during checkout to get a 10% discount. Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. Yeah, but you have to consider also that that we're taking a very American perspective on this issue yeah. in the sense that that from from what I've seen and from what I've understood from from Britain and, and the rest of Europe is that it's very odd to see a car that's an automatic and it's very odd to see a rental car or a hired car, if you will, that's an automatic. And so I actually agree with everything you guys said, but I wonder if perhaps we're, we're being a little myopic about it in the sense that maybe you, you'll never see it in America anymore, but the rest of the world who actually treats driving as a privilege and not a right, maybe they'll continue to hold on to them no, for quite a while. It'll just take them longer. Like the reason they stick with sticks is because first of all, sticks are less expensive than automatics which I enjoy because I buy sticks, so I pay less money for my cars. And so, of course, they're going to stick with the less expensive thing. It's just they just have a culture of people knowing how to drive stick there. But eventually, all those sticks, like, I mean, I guess it depends on what the price thing is. Does an automated manual eventually drop to the price where it's actually even cheaper than putting an automatic is? Like, price, I think price is the only price and, and a culture of people knowing how to drive stick is what's keeping them in sticks. It's not because, like, Europe, like, they're all love driving. They all love sticks. They don't. It's just that, you know, well, they, they can get their cars with an automatic for an extra 500 bucks, but they, you know, they buy cheap cars. They buy small, small, cheap cars and they're tiny, narrow streets and they don't, you know, want to pay the extra money for an automatic. Well, what's interesting also is, you know, to, to go back to the world I know, I know most, the, um, the, the new M5 is only available in stick in the U.S. And, and the, the, the heads of M and stuff have, have given statements on this. They, they were going to make one with, with, just the DCT option, and the U.S. still demands sticks among high-end sports buyers. But that, like everywhere else in the world, the high-end sports buyers don't want sticks. They don't care. I wonder if it's because in Stick the U.S. Just seems like what everyday cars have. Right. Normally, the crappy, cheap hatchback cars all have sticks. Why would I want the right. flappy paddles? You want the luxury, those, you know. fancy, automatic, you know, types yeah. of things in your sports cars everywhere else. And in the U.S., automatics are are much more common. And sticks are the crazy exotic thing that sports car buyers want. Yeah, I have to say this. Now I realize that you had your Accord with an automatic. I don't like the Accord with automatic either. Like I don't like any car with the automatic. But I was shocked. Like I, I had an Accord when, like, as the rental they give you when your car is being repaired, and it had an automatic. And I'm like, this is disgusting. I would never buy this car. <laughs> you know, it's not. Yeah, the thing, the thing about automatics is like that's why you like the BMW ones. Is a lot of it has to do with software. And if you have, you know, the, the Camrys have terrible automatic, you know, their, their software is the worst because it's just totally tuned for smoothness. And you just like, it's just wandering from gear to gear, like an old person lost in the hallways of a hospital. And you're like, all right, whatever. <laughs> but the, the Accord, I could tell what gear was in, but it was not making good choices. And it was like, you, you know, it's the thing where you push the pedal and the car doesn't go. And when you have a stick shift, that's your fault. But when you have an automatic, you're like, all right, car, get the hint. Come on. Do I have to floor it for you to do something? Wake up. Hello. Yeah, that's not a fun experience. It actually makes me motion sick to, to drive that kind of an automatic. So, the, yeah, the BMWs, even when the BMWs just came with, like, normal automatics, just plain old slush boxes, at the very least, their software tuning was, like, intelligent and figuring out, like, you know, is the car on a hill? What are the current G-forces? What does it look like the driver's doing? What angle is the steering wheel? All sorts of factors going into, say, I think I should up or downshift at this point. And if it can guess relatively you know smartly you're like wow this automatic is great even if the shift quality or anything is not anything special just because it picks a sane gear and doesn't make you want to tear your hair out 
Well, and to that end, that's when that step down or whatever it was that I was that I was describing earlier is really helpful because when you want the, when you want the car to immediately understand, I need to go fast right now. You have a a tactile and tangible way to do that. I had that button on my on my very first car that I drove, which was a, was a 1981 Volvo station wagon, and it was the air conditioning button. When you really wanted to go fast, <laughs> turn off turn off the AC, and it was like, whoa, extra boost of power. We're now I up to almost not. 80 horsepower. I kid you not, the Saturn was the exact same one. Yes, the air conditioner is the turbo button of cars. It's like, you, <laughs> yep. got, you remember the turbo Title. button? Are you old, uh, young enough, old enough to On remember computers? that? Yeah, yeah, where you go, it would from, go the, from 33 on the PC. to 66 megahertz. Uh, well, no, I was thinking of the PC XT and AT, oh. which didn't go that fast. But anyway, yeah, same thing. They'd come with the turbo button, and yeah. My favorite was how the the PC cases would still come with a turbo button well into the Pentium era, well yeah. past the time when any uh, chips that were shipping in computers had turbo modes. Um, and, like, but, you know, like, when you, when you go to the computer store and you'd have, like, the, the cheap, like, store-built brand computers, they would all have to use generic cases because they wouldn't have their own cases made. And they would all have these. And so there were so many computers sold to people that had turbo buttons that did nothing. They lit up when you pressed them in sometimes. Sometimes. Something. <laughs> right. <laughs> the light goes on, light goes off. Light goes on, light goes I off. I like to picture, like, and I'm sure people did this, like, you know, when, when they're, like, doing something really, you know, <laughs> there's computers sitting grinding away. Uh, I wonder how many people pushed that turbo button just, and, and actually thought, you know, placebo wise, yeah. it was going. That's faster. why. That's why I'm thinking. I'm going to Google this after the show. If this, if this thing that Casey's describing is a real thing, or if he's just crazy. No, it's a real thing. I <laughs> the swear. last inch of the BMW. But I mean, when I drove my father's BMW, he's always been in the car, and I haven't floored it, so I can't confirm or deny whether I felt some extra little thing at the bottom. But <laughs> uh, yeah, now I want to research this. I'm going to ask my dad about it. See if he's noticed it. It's it's very odd too because it feels like you cannot push the the pedal any further. <laughs> this down. sounds like such a bad troll. No, trust me. Yeah, just keep pressing, <laughs> keep pressing the pedal. That feels like it won't go any farther. But if you just press really I'm hard, I wonder if that was I'm Toyota's problem. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, you think I'm trolling. I kind of wish I was now because that would be a pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, my my old Volvo had that but... too, and it was called Rust Eats Away at the Bottom of the uh, the Footwell, <laughs> and you can press the pedals a little bit farther than you should. <laughs> 